just as a, for a few minutes, can we just lift our hands in the presence of the Lord? And we're lifting our hands as a sign of surrender. Lord, whatever you want to say in this moment, God, we surrender ourselves unto you. God, we're open vessels ready to receive. So God, fill us up till we want no more. God, we lift our hands saying, fill us up till we want no more. And every believer said, amen. And amen. I want you to take up your Bibles. I'm so grateful to be back in the house of the Lord. I, I love the saints of God. The Bible declares, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So it's so good to see each of you. I want, to, I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I want you to know, I want to say a few disclaimers and preface my sermon with this. I believe the enemy tried to sabotage our worship service this morning. He had a plot and a plan early this week to sabotage our worship service. But somebody say the enemy didn't win. The enemy didn't win. I'm so grateful that the Lord allows you to be aware of the enemy's devices. And can we do a, do me a favor? I don't care who's watching. I don't, I don't really care because I'm not going to play with the enemy in this season. But can we give God a hand clap of praise uh, for Cartes? And, and for those of you who don't know, um, Cartes has, has stepped in for us because um, there was, we had a shift of plans. I'm so grateful for the spirit that is upon his life. And I know he doesn't even, he's here to help us out. But I pray that the Lord blesses you abundantly. And because of your heart, the Bible says, those with a pure heart shall see God. I believe you're going to see God in every area of your life. Keep your heart pure because the enemy wants to take what God has already placed on your life. Thank you so much for your ministry. There's a ministry gift on you. A, a sweet ministry gift on you. Now I want, I want us to give also a hand clap of praise for Brandon. Can we give God a hand clap of praise for him? I need, I need Brandon to know this. Hey, and I need y'all to make sure Brandon knows this. We love him dearly. Alright, and he probably won't tell y'all this publicly, but the enemy was fighting him this week. But somebody say the enemy didn't win. And I can tell by the by the anointing on his life this morning. So somebody just shout, we love you, Brandon. Amen. And Ephesians chapter 4. I want us to go to verse number 17. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 17. I'm reading from the New Living Translation of the Bible. It should be on our screen if we can go to the next slide. And somebody say this, that this sermon series was pre-planned. Y'all say that this sermon series was pre-planned because somebody going to feel their feelings going to get hurt this morning. But I promise you this sermon series was pre-planned. Ephesians chapter 4, I want us to look at verse number 17 and I'm going to read through 20. The Bible declares with the Lord's authority, I say this, I want you to know that God has given me authority this morning to declare this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they've closed their minds. Somebody say their minds. And hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. 
they live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. And watch what verse number 20 says. But this isn't what you learned about Christ. Somebody say, this ain't what I learned. I want us to look at verse number 18 again. Their minds are full of darkness. Somebody shout minds. And they wander far, far from the life God gives because they close their minds and harden their hearts against him. I want you to be seated in the presence of the Lord. I, I want to minister from this subject this morning. I know it's going to seem tough, but I need us to, to just go with me this morning. I want to minister from this subject, a reprobate mind, a reprobate mind. Uh, when the enemy fails to take hold of your soul, the next best thing for him to do is wreak havoc on your mind. Did y'all hear what I just said? When the enemy cannot take hold of our soul, the next best thing for him to do is wreak havoc on our minds. And this is why most of, watch this, our intense struggles with sin is fought in our minds. I know y'all don't like that, but when you want to sin, that, 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 that battle is fought in your mind. Your, your, your inability to find soulless, somebody shout peace. Is because many of us are defeated in our minds. It's not that peace isn't available. It's because we fight that battle in our minds. And even our bouts with having security in our salvation is rooted in our minds. Many of us wrestle with the fact, if God still loved me, am I still good in the sight of God? And it's wrestled, somebody say, in my mind. Cartes, I know you have to leave, so go ahead. We ain't gonna, we ain't gonna, uh, you ain't gotta shoot, um, shut, shoot up the finger. We know you gotta go. And this is why scripture makes mention of our minds being guarded in Christ Jesus. And I want y'all to understand something about this word guard in the Greek. It's the word, one definition of the, the Greek translation, translation of this word guard is likened to a military guard. Uh, so in other words, it requires a both an offensive and defensive means in order to keep safe. Uh, so whenever the Bible declares that we have to guard our minds, we have to be on the offensive and on the defensive. Uh, Y'all got to stay with me because just as much as the enemy attacks our spirits, watch this, in like manner, he is relentless in his efforts to attack our minds. Did y'all hear what I just said? I know we like to think that the enemy is only after our spirits, but somebody say he's after my mind. He's after our mind. This is why he, he, he put so many attacks against our mind. And hear this, this is a word of wisdom. We must never refer to the idle mind as the devil's playground. That, that's just the world's context because the mind alone is the devil's, watch this, battleground. Uh, it's not that the idle mind is the devil's playground because the enemy is not in business of playing with our minds. Tell your neighbor he ain't trying to play with your mind. He's in the business of penetrating, poisoning, and watch this, having power over our minds. Somebody may be saying, how do I know? Romans 8, chapter, chapter 8, verses 5 through 6 declares this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit, for to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That means, watch this, a mind that the devil has access to and authority over will always produce death. This is why we have to be so careful about guarding our minds. Because if he has access to it, as if he has authority over it, it will always produce death. 
That means for the believer that was promised peace, there's death. For the believer that was promised prosperity, there's death. For the believer that was promised provision, there is death. In other words, the enemy desires for the promises of God over your life to die. Somebody say, be aborted. If he can get access to our minds, if he can get authority over our minds, the very promises of God over our life become, somebody say, aborted. Oh, so in other words, I, I, I'm not trying to get into no um, uh, theological debate around this, but hear this, when you get an abortion, you go on your own accord. So what the enemy tries to get us to do is to go on our own accord to kill what God has already spoken of our life. Oh, tell your neighbor, don't use your will, your free will for that. And this is why the Bible admonishes us in Philippians 2 and 5 to let this mind be in us, which is also in Christ Jesus. Because the mind of Christ, watch this, causes us to both be defensively and offensively guard our minds from the attacks of the enemy. And this is why throughout this series, we'll learn to cultivate the mind of Christ. We'll examine what it means to have a renewed mind. We'll examine what it means to have a reserved mind. We'll examine what it means to have a righteous mind. And watch this, we're going to also examine how to have a right mind. Tell your neighbor, you need a right mind. But this morning, before we examine the mind of Christ, I think it's critical to understand a reprobate mind. Because a mind that is not governed by God is a mind that is subject to be given over by God. A mind that is not governed by God is a mind that is subject to be given over by God. Oh, somebody say, that's a sad tragedy. Oh, y'all got to stay with me this morning. And this is why, watch this. The Bible declares this in Romans 1 verse 28. It says, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to, somebody say, a reprobate mind. To do those things that are not proper. In other words, a mind that is not willingly submitted to God is a mind that is easily submitted to Satan. If I don't willingly give my mind to God, watch this, it is easily given over and made subject to Satan. Oh, somebody, that's dangerous. And this is why throughout scriptures, believers, and I want, uh, uh, this is why some of us think when we get saved, we straight. Oh, I'm just saved, I'm going to be okay. But notice what happens after we get saved. Scripture admonishes, somebody say believers. The Bible says, let this mind be in them. This is after you're saved. The Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your minds. This is after you're saved. The Bible even says, set your mind on things above. This is after you're saved. Because a mind that you don't make a decision to give to God, by default, you've given to the devil. Did y'all hear what I just said? A mind that you do not make a decision to give to God, by default, you have given it to the devil. And many of us, nobody ever told us that. We think that we saved and we straight. Nobody said give my mind to God. And because I did not willingly give my mind to God, I have given it by default, somebody say, to the devil. So the critical question we must ask ourselves as believers is how do we know if we've given our minds to the devil? What are the signs of a reprobate mind? I believe we find the answers to these questions in our foundational text. Paul reveals to believers at the church at Ephesus how one can be saved and still yet have the mind of Satan. That's, that's sad, y'all. We got saved folk that still have the mind of Satan. 
And, and Paul is saying, I, I, I see this in the text. I believe in like manner we must heed this warning from Paul so we don't find ourselves guilty of the same plight. Saved, yet our minds subject to Satan. Reprobate. And watch this, before we can have minds that are right before God, we have to ensure that we don't have reprobate minds. Oh, so listen here, I just want to walk the text. I want to say this, it's so good um, to see you, Elder Sharon West. I pray that you have been revived, refreshed, that God is still yet restoring you. You are a walking miracle. We love you. Let us look at verse number 17. The Bible says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do. For they are hopelessly confused. I want y'all to understand this. A mind that lacks clarity is a mind that is subject to be held captive by the enemy. A mind that lacks clarity is a mind that is subject to be held captive by the enemy. In other words, a mind with the inability to discern the things of God will always be a mind that is deceived by the enemy. Tell your neighbor, I need discernment. Say, say I need discernment. Because if I don't have this level of discernment to discern the things of God, my mind will always be easily deceived by the enemy. And I've seen so many believers that lack discernment and we wonder why they're always deceived. Oh, tell your neighbor, I need discernment. Uh, and, and notice this. This is why Isaiah speaks of this mind in Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 in this manner. I believe it's on our screens. Notice this. Woe to those who, that means you in a dangerous place, who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. What the prophet Isaiah was trying to say is that these are they whose minds are confused. Somebody shout confused. So here's the first thing I need you to know. Uh, if I, if I want to make sure that I don't have a reprobate mind, what's a sign of a reprobate mind? Somebody say, it's a confused mind. Uh, this is why a sign of a reprobate mind is a confused mind. And here is a sad reality. Today, somebody say today. We have believers who are putting a confused mind on display to the world more so rather than the mind of Christ. So-called Christians with confused minds. Somebody may be saying, what do I believe? What do, what do I mean? We've got too many believers declaring those that are using wisdom in the midst of a pandemic are demonic. Somebody say confused. Because I'm getting the vaccine, because I'm wearing a mask, they say that I'm demonic, that I don't have faith in God. Somebody say that's confusion. Oh, I want y'all to, I don't care who's watching. Watch this, those that vote according to the fruit of Christ are divisive. You got fools that are confused. Somebody say confused. confused. Just because I'm voting to the one that's most likely and resembling the fruit of the spirit, they call me divisive. Somebody say that's confusion. Uh, you can speak in tongues, but you're behind nasty. Confusion. And watch this, those that are protesting racism, they're calling us the devil. Somebody say confusion. confusion. Some be believers just need to close their mouth because they're confused. We got too many folk, watch this, and they're spewing confusion in the body of Christ. So then, because they're spewing confusion, it make us look crazy. And then we start thinking that we crazy. I'm just trying to protect me and my family. No, you're not crazy, baby. They confused. Confusion, confusion. Uh, and they don't even know that they got a reprobate mind. Here's a word of wisdom. Be careful of so-called believers that call everything the devil. Watch this. Even when you try to reason with them with scripture. 
Because watch this. Most people who call everything the devil will reject reason. Y'all ever know that? You try to talk to folk and you just try to, the Bible says, come let us reason together. I'm not going to read. If you ain't got no time to sit down and reason with me, it might be a sign that you have a reprobate mind. Hey, you got to be careful of folk that always calling stuff the devil and they always reject reason because many times the, all, those who always say the devil are those who have an intent, watch this, to divide. Minds led by the devil. Somebody may be saying, how do I know? Because 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. Is it on our screen? I didn't put it on our screen. I'm sorry, y'all. That's all, that's, somebody say that's Pastor Keith bad. Why, why watch this. The Bible says this. Anybody taking notes? Somebody who's watching online, put this in the comment box. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. The Bible says, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. So if God ain't the author, then it has to be the devil. And this is why I believe we're so divided as believers. We're divided by denominations. We're divided by doctrine. We're even divided by our public displays of de devotion for God. Somebody say worship. worship. All because of lack of discernment. Many times we think stuff is the devil and it's only really our inability to discern. Tell your neighbor I got to discern. Because if I don't have discernment, I'll call everything the devil. And watch this, not even knowing that I'm being led by the devil. Oh, that's, somebody say that's dangerous. Notice this. It's important to understand. I, I, I think I may have put this on our screen. Discernment is simply the ability to know the difference between what is of God and what is not. That's all discernment is. Don't let nobody who's super deep and super spiritual tell you anything other than that. They say, ooh, I can see all this in the spirit. Can you see if this is of God or is it not? So watch this. All of us can have this level of discernment. I just need to know, is this one for me or against me? I just need to know, God, are you in it? Or are you not in it? And when we can have a level of discernment, watch this. We can avoid a lot of stuff that got the devil in it. Oh, that's good news to me, y'all. Some of y'all took jobs and God was never in it. Some of us got into relationships and God was never in it. And then we blame God. We blame our pastor. What? Well, what? Watch this. Blame yourself. Yeah. Tell your neighbor, I needed discernment. And here, here's the sad tragedy about this. Here's the even more sad reality. Discernment is accessible, somebody say, to all believers. Somebody say, all believers. All Listen, so... Stop giving your money to prophets. Stop giving your money to archbishops. Stop giving your money to apostles. And somebody say, all I got to do is ask. All you got to do is ask. Uh, this is why, watch this, James 1 and 5. Did I at least put that on the screen? Good. Uh, the Bible says, if any of you lacks wisdom, somebody say discernment. The Bible says, let him ask of God who gives to all. Somebody shout all. Liberally, that means God will give it to you freely and without reproach, and it will be given to Him. Somebody say that's a promise. That's a promise. So watch this. So that means if you struggle with confusion, it's not the wicked one; it's your unwillingness to ask. When I struggle with the ability to know if God is in it or not in it, it's not the wicked one; it's your inability to ask. God says. You don't need no title. Somebody say, just ask. Somebody say, it does not matter how long I've been saved. Somebody say, just ask. 
it don't matter who my bishop is. Somebody say, just ask. Because watch this, your bishop may be the devil, but you don't know because you did not ask. We've got to help the people. Somebody say, help the people. Because confusion, watch this, ends at the point of asking Christ to give you clarity. You don't, we don't have to operate in confusion. God is not the author of confusion. So it ends at the point of me asking Christ to give me clarity. And here's where we get in trouble. We ask God to give us clarity, but we want it on our timing. And the reason why many of us don't wait for our answer, because we want to dictate when God gives us the clarity. Tell your neighbor, just wait. Because if he's not the author of confusion, that means he's the author of peace. And when you're the author, you dictate when it's written, how, what's written in it, and how it's written. So when I ask, when we ask for God, God, is this the person that I should marry? Just wait on the author. Somebody say, wait on the author. If, if this is the job that I'm supposed to take and I'm asking God to give me clarity, are you in this God? Somebody say, wait on the author. And here's where we get in trouble. Many of us don't know how to wait on the author. Oh, Lord, help us today. Don't hear this. That means you don't have to be confused unless you want to. Don't waste your arguing with confused believers because their failure to have clarity is their fault. See, when I see folk on Facebook and on social media talking craziness, I don't waste my time arguing with people who don't want clarity because somebody say it's their fault. They, they just need to ask the God of peace. This is why Paul urges believers in Ephesus with these words in our foundational text. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Why is what Paul's saying so significant? Watch this. Because a believer void of discernment is a believer void of direction. Did y'all hear what I just said? The reason why Paul says he's urging them, live no longer like the Gentiles. Because if I do not have discernment, I do not have direction. So that means you can have a pastor that's preaching the word of God to you, but if you fail to have discernment concerning that word, you, your life still won't have direction. Somebody say direction. direction. Huh, and at, this is one of the most easiest gifts to have access to. You know why? Because all we got to do, somebody say, is ask. When I learned that lesson, I, I stopped putting certain preachers on pedestals. When I learned that lesson, I stopped putting certain people on certain pedestals because I realized, watch this, it's, it's, it's good. I get that they're shepherds. Shepherds should lead me. But the key is I don't want to be led by the wrong person. So I've got to make sure that the key is not to get to the right church first. It's not to figure out what um, right pastor to have. The first thing I got to do, somebody say, is get discernment. Because you'll always go church hopping, you'll always go relationship hopping, you'll always go job hopping without discernment. Oh, y'all need to ask for discernment tonight. Tell your neighbor, ask for discernment tonight. Because void of discernment, I'm void of direction. This is why Paul calls these believers, watch what he says. He says they're hopeless. Without discernment, I'm hopeless. That don't matter. How, listen, you can have all the money. You can all have all the gifts. You can feel like you got all the connections and resources, but void of discernment. 
Somebody say, I'm hopeless. I love, listen, this daughter in the back, our mother of the church, Mother Alvera, is a daughter that got discernment. You know that? She, she has a level of discernment on her life. Right? So she, she didn't even need the title mother to have that. Right? And we've got to be in that same kind of posture. Oh, she was, I, I'll say that testimony for a later time. But that daughter got blessed. Somebody say she, she got blessed. But just because of discernment. The people who sold her property. She, she felt like she was going to have to move. But the Lord unctioned her with a level of discernment to go talk to the owner. And somebody say she got blessed. Oh, that's discernment. Some of y'all running around here, you wonder why you're not blessed. You don't have any direction. You have no discernment. And here's a word of wisdom. Those who find themselves ensnared in cults, manipulated by charismatic leaders, and that join churches just because of the crowd are many times believers with confused minds. Somebody say lacking discernment. You'll never get caught up in a cult. You'll never be, fought, be led by a charismatic leader and deceived. You'll never just join something because of the crowd if you just have. Somebody say, I need discernment. I you know what? I learned that after the fact. I learned that after I got deceived. I learned that after I followed people who made me think I was crazy. And I had to realize all I had to do, somebody say, all I had to do was ask. So I'm trying to help y'all. All you got to do is ask. Because when you don't have the ability to discern what is of God, it does not take much for you to be deceived by the enemy. When you don't have, when you lack the ability to discern, the enemy don't have to do much. Did y'all see that? Y'all make his fight easier. You make, you make it easy. You make his job easy without discernment. Because if I don't have discernment, it don't take nothing to deceive me. This is why right now, and I'm telling y'all, y'all better hear me and hear me good. If you don't believe me, better ask God. Don't be running around here with that multi-level marketing. Somebody say, don't do it. Do not do it. And watch this. The reason why folk are still jumping into multi-level marketing when they realize that only the few at the top excel is because they do not have discernment. And they are still so easily deceived. And watch this. The enemy is not a creator okay do y'all hear what i just he's not a creator so what he always does is repackage or try to repurpose what god has already created what am i trying to say the reason why folk keep getting deceived by multi-level marketing is because they try to recreate or repurpose what god has already created so it used to be um vitalis it used to be vitamins now it was then it was coffee then it was coffee it went to something else then it was that. Now it's, now it's how to um, do the stock market. It's still multi-level marketing. Yeah. Yeah. And folk are still being, somebody say, deceived. Oh, that's a sad tragedy, y'all. If any of y'all come around here with multi-level marketing, tell your neighbor, it's their fault. And this is why one sign of a reprobate mind is a confused mind. One lacking discernment. Oh, my voice almost gone. Y'all pray for the preacher. Listen. So the next thing is, let's look at verse number 18. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life of God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Hear this. A mind void of discernment is a mind that is likely to be double-minded. Whenever I lack discernment, my mind is likely to be double-minded. In other words, a conflicted mind. 
So the second thing I need us to understand that the sign of a reprobate mind is a conflicted mind. Somebody say conflicted. What do I mean? A believer that professes faith one day and then fornicates the next. Somebody say conflicted. A believer that worships one day and then is wicked the next. Somebody say conflicted. A, a believer that takes, matter of fact, a believer that leads communion one day and then curses the next. Somebody say conflicted. Oh, this is why another sign of a reprobate mind is a conflicted mind. It's like what the old saints used to say. Uh, most of our, our, the reason why our minds are conflicted because it's our inability to keep our mind stayed on Jesus. Tell your neighbor, keep your mind stayed on Jesus. I was, I was having this conversation with my, my wife this morning and a lot of stuff that the old saint said was real good but we had no understanding of what it means until we run into a situation that gave us revelation concerning it. You know when the saints used to say you'll know better by and by. I know better by and by. We need to just we need we need just a conversation with the saints of old. So the question you got to ask yourself is how well do you keep your mind stayed on Jesus? Uh, this is why a foundational text speaks of a conflicted mind in this manner. It says they wander far from the life of God. So I'm going to say wander. Because a conflicted mind is a mind that walks with God when it's convenient, then wanders when they don't need him. That, that's confliction, conflicted. When I, I, we know how to walk with God when it's convenient for me, but as soon as I don't need him, I wonder. Tell your neighbor, this is why the Bible says we're prone to wonder. And the sad reality is that we have so many wandering believers. Y'all know this, we walk with them when we're struggling. We walk with him when we are suffering. We walk with him when we have setbacks. But what happens after the struggle? What happens after the suffering? And what happens after the setback? And this is why a good litmus test for a conflicted mind is one's response to pain. Not their response to pain, but their response to prosperity. The real way I know if I got a conflicted mind is what is my response not to pain, but to prosperity. Somebody may be saying, what do I mean? Uh, this is why, notice what the Bible says uh, in James 4 and 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Because many believers know how to run to God when in pain, but it's their inability to walk with God in the midst of prosperity that reveals their conflicted mind. Y'all know we, when, when everything's good, we, we stop praying. When everything's good, we stop going to church. You done, you done came up on a little bit of money and we don't see you no more until, watch this, the money is gone. How many folks call me after they get a settlement and then that settlement gone and they need some benevolence? We know how to walk with God in the midst of suffering, but how well do you walk with God when everything is well? Oh, that's a good litmus test if you have a conflicted mind. I got some folk on my mind right now. They not here, y'all. Somebody say they not here. Uh, and, and, I, and watch this. If we can be honest, uh, it can be difficult to ensure that our minds remain near him in all situations. Uh, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to front with y'all because when people hurt you, it can be hard to keep your mind on God. Uh, when people hate you, it can be hard to keep your mind on Jesus. When people try to cause havoc in your life, it can be hard. Somebody say, it can be hard. It can be hard. 
And here's the reason why. Because many allow their minds to be controlled by their situations rather than the spirit. Did y'all hear what I just said? I've got to, I've got to watch this. Make sure that, that when, that when, 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 um, I've got to take every thought captive that tries to raise itself up above God. I've got to take it captive. And many folk that respond to hate, that respond um, to people that hurt them and respond to people that try to wreak havoc in their lives are people who have their minds controlled by the situation and not by the spirit. Tell your neighbor, I need my mind controlled by the spirit. Ah, watch this. And this is why the New Living Translation of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. Do we have that on our screen? Notice what the Bible says. We are human, but we do not wage war as humans do. God know that you want to cut stay behind. God know. God know I told y'all, I was telling y'all, there'll be sometimes folk be doing crazy stuff with my kids in the car when we driving. It'd be times I want to get out the car and just go, on out, go off on them. God knows that we're humans. But the Bible says we don't wage war as they do. Notice what the Bible says. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. So God, you know I want to knock them out. And to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Even when I want to knock them out, I got to teach my thoughts to obey Christ. Watch this. I'm, I'm going to be real, y'all. There are times where me and Serena get into a disagreement and the enemy will place a negative seed in my mind. I just leave her. I go, I go, me and Pastor Cole joke about this. Somebody say it's a joke. It's a joke. We'll, we'll just go get us a nice big black one. Yeah, it's a joke, y'all. It's a joke. But what I'm saying, the enemy will try to place those kind of thoughts in us. And really what I'm trying to say is that I've got to teach that thought to obey Christ. See, you heard what she said. I ain't going to leave you, boo. That means even when people hurt you, hate you, and wreak havoc in your life, your war, watch this, is not against them, it's against your thoughts. Did y'all hear what I just said? It's not against them, it's against your thoughts. So when you want to curse, you have to fight your thoughts to remain calm. Uh, you got to fight your thoughts. Uh, when you want to fornicate, you have to fight your thoughts to remain faithful. And when you want to sin, you have to fight your thoughts to remain sanctified. So I'm going to say fight your thoughts. Because you have to fight to keep your mind stayed on Jesus. I promise you. I could be watching something holy and sanctified on YouTube and the enemy will just bring about a commercial that will have to try to cause me to fight my thoughts. I could be doing something good, y'all. I'm going to the store to buy my baby some toys and this girl just walk on by. And I've got to make sure that I fight my thoughts. I got to tell my thoughts to obey Christ. You got to turn your head and tell your thoughts to obey Christ. Every thought that tries to raise itself up and be rebellious to God, I've got to tell my thoughts to obey Christ. And the reason why many of us are conflicted is because we give in to our thoughts. And we don't make the fight against our thoughts, we make our fight against them. Tell your neighbor, the devil is a lie. This is why the prophet Isaiah said this in Isaiah 26 and 3. He, you will keep him in perfect peace. 
whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Why is this significant? Because when people try to push you there, you can remain in peace when your mind remains on him. Did y'all hear what I just said? This is why our walk with God can't be so casual. That when I'm at work, I got to listen to worship music. When I get in my car, I got to listen to worship music. This is why the Bible says that men are always pray. So as I'm walking, God, keep my mind. You know, one of the things that I've been declaring over my life lately, I, I declare this whenever I think about it. Lord, deliver me from evil. God, deliver me from evil. I'm not just talking about evil against me, the evil that I want to commit. God, deliver me from evil. So I can't be so casual with my walk. Because if not, the enemy will have access to an authority over my mind. Oh, what a sad tragedy, y'all. So hear this, I'm almost done. I said that we'll have a sign of a reprobate mind is a confused mind. Sign of a reprobate mind is a conflicted mind. And let's look at verse number 19. The Bible says they have no sense of shame and they live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Your mind, watch this, will consistently be carnal when it's consistently confused and consistently conflicted. Did y'all hear what I just said? Your mind will always consistently be carnal if it's consistently confused and consistently conflicted. So here's the third sign of a reprobate mind. Somebody say a carnal mind. Because a mind that does not stay on the Savior will be a mind that always stays in sin. Hear this. So this means the, the folk that's always in mess, somebody say their mind ain't on the Savior. The one that always bring up mess, somebody say their mind ain't on the Savior. The one that always start mess, somebody say their mind ain't on the Savior. So I don't care how much scripture you know. Because if you always stay in sin, that's a good sign that your mind is not on the Savior. Oh, see, y'all don't like that. Y'all don't like that this morning. Notice this. The critical question you got to ask yourself is, is how carnal is your mind? That's a, that's a real good question. How carnal is my mind? Notice this. Consider verse 19 of our foundational text. The Bible says they have no sense of shame. The Bible says they live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. So watch this. I don't know if I have this. A carnal mind is not simply the contemplation of sin, but it's a mind that has no conviction concerning sin. Did y'all hear that? So, 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 so it's not the mind that always thinks about sin. Because as long as you wrapped in his flesh, I bet you a sinful thought will pop in your mind. So it's not just contemplating sin. It's the scary place is when I have no conviction concerning my sin. And this is why you got pastors that can treat people any kind of way and they try to justify it with scripture. Tell your, your neighbor their mind is carnal. You can't treat folk any kind of way and don't feel no, no hurt over that. God should always cause a level of conviction when there is sin. Somebody say there, there should always be conviction. Because the reality is, at some point, your mind will be tempted with sin. But the significant thing is, do you shed tears concerning sin? Somebody might be saying, what do I mean? Does your heart become heavy when you sin? That's on our screen. Uh, is shame before your heavenly father produced because of your sin? Anybody who was here for corporate prayer, the reason why I was weeping was because my heart still felt shame concerning our heavenly father concerning sin. Yeah, yeah. The Bible says also 
is godly sorrow evident as a result of your sin. When we don't, when we don't see that in our lives, promise this. I promise you this. Somebody say, my mind is carnal. My mind is carnal. That's a sad reality, y'all. Because when there is no conviction, it's a sign that your mind is carnal. And notice what 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10 says. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Because, watch this, despite sin, godly sorrow is a sign that there's still life. That's good news, y'all. Because remember, the enemy desires to produce death in your life. And this is why he wants your mind to remain carnal. But conviction produces life. Somebody say conviction produces life. This is why this is my prayer. No matter how much sin is cultivated in my life, I pray that I'm always convicted. Did y'all hear what I just said? No matter how much sin is cultivated in my life, my real prayer is that God calls me to always be convicted. Because we get so caught up that I, I messed up again. I did this again. I done did this one wrong again. Here's the real key. Do you still have conviction? Because God says whenever there's a level of conviction, godly sorrow, there's another, watch this, hope for life. Oh, that means, that means that, that the spirit of God is still at work in my life. Whenever there's conviction, the spirit of God is still living in my life. And this is why David said, don't take your spirit from me. Because I need to make sure that your spirit is still living in my life. Tell your neighbor, I need a spirit living in me. Oh, because remember, watch this. This is why the Lord speaks of his hatred concerning what Proverbs 16 and 18, 6 and 18 declares. A heart that plots evil and feet that race to do wrong. Because the sad reality is, is we have too many believers that run to evil rather than running to his throne of grace as a result of evil. Did y'all hear what I just said? Whenever somebody does you wrong, run to the throne of grace. Whenever there's evil present in your life, run to the throne of grace. When I realized that the enemy was busy in our church, I said, we've got to run to the throne of grace. All right? Because I, God hates those that run to evil. When I think about what I could do, when I think about what I should do, and none of that could and should leads to the throne of grace, tell your neighbor, I'm in trouble. Say, I'm in trouble. See, y'all don't like that this morning. I'm trying to help somebody. And this is why a sign of a reprobate mind is a carnal mind. And watch this, I'm done. Before our minds can be right before God, we must ensure that our minds are not reprobate. I'm, because I'm wrapped in flesh, my mind is subject to be reprobate. God says he gave them over. So that means at one point they were walking with God. But then he gave them over. We've got to be careful that our minds are never reprobate. We got to be careful that our minds are never confused, calling good evil and evil good. We can't afford for our minds to be conflicted. We can't even afford for our minds to be carnal. Our prayer must be, Lord, allow our minds to be right before you. And watch this. Yes, somebody may be asking, despite all of what I revealed this morning, why is this so significant that we don't have reprobate minds? Some of y'all say, God did, God gave them, or why is it so significant? I made mention of this in my introduction. 
But this word depraved or reprobate found in Romans 1.28 is the Greek word uh, adakamos, which means, watch this, rejected by God. That means our inability to cultivate the mind of Christ causes God to cast aside our minds. Oh, hear what I'm trying to say. Every purpose that God has conceived in our minds, it will be cast aside when it's reprobate. Every plea that we petition before God that was conceived in our minds will be cast aside. And watch this, every plan of God that was conceived in our minds will be cast aside. Somebody say rejected. rejected. The reason why I found myself on the altar this morning, the reason why I chose to make intercession for God's people it's because I can't afford for what God's purpose, God's plan, I please before him. Somebody say to be rejected. And many of us don't know that God has rejected much of what we're bringing before him. Because our minds, somebody say, are reprobate. I know we don't like this this morning, but I pray that we can stand to our feet. Before our minds can be right before God, we got to make sure that our minds are not reprobate. I want you to think about where you are in your walk with God. I want you to think about where areas in your life you've been confused in your mind. Areas in your life where you've been conflicted. Where one day you have faith and the next day you want to fornicate. Where your mind is just carnal. And I, I did this, but I no longer have a level of conviction. Get those things on your mind. Father, we thank you. We honor you, God. That you always give us warning before destruction comes, before judgment comes. So God, we thank you, God, for your window of grace. And God, this warning comes as a window of grace. I pray, God, for every believer in this place. And the reason, God, I want them to know why I preach so hard today is not because I'm concerned about me, but I'm concerned about every purpose, every plea, and every plan over their lives that you've spoken You've conceived those things in them. And God, I, don't, I dare not see those things rejected in their lives. So God, keep them covered. Let them cultivate the mind of Christ. Let their minds not be reprobate. God, do not give them over. But God, cause their minds to be governed by you. We love you, God. We adore you. God, this is a, a, a personal work. Somebody say, it's personal. So God, I pray, God, that you're giving them strength to carry out the assignment and the work that you called them to do over their minds. They know every thought that's not like you. God, they know everything that they wrestle with in their minds. And God, I pray, God, that they give their minds over to you. Every heart that believes, every heart that says, I want the mind of Christ, every heart that says, I'm going to allow God to govern my heart, say amen. amen, amen, and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hey, I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually ask my wife to take us further in service. I'm aware of what the enemy is trying to do in your life and in the life of this church. And I said this to somebody this week. I'm not gonna allow one person to damage the entire flock. Y'all hear what I just said? I need y'all to catch that. I'm not gonna allow one person to damage the entire flock. So watch this. I'm not, I'm not, I don't care who's watching. I don't care who's not here today and probably going to try to show up another Sunday. If you come to this church 
and you try to sow discord and you try to sow division and you try to have a reprobate mind in this church, God has already given you through this sermon series a window of grace. Don't get it together. You can get out this church. All right? Because I'm not going to allow one person and watch this. I know somebody may not like this. I don't care if my mama moved down here. Y'all heard what I just said? I don't care if my mama moved down here and try to join the church if her mind is reprobate and she thinks she's going to just sit up in here tell somebody the devil is a lie. So watch this. When you see some people not show up and not be here, when I have some folk that's been with us, God, I believe, is, is causing the separation of the wheat and the tares. And I'm aware of that. Somebody say, Pastor Keith is aware. And hear this, our little stuff cannot be bigger than God's stuff. The only reason I'm going so hard because God's stuff is on the line. If you ain't about God's business, then you can't be about the business of the way church. Amen. Amen. Give God a hand clap of praise.